All right, I got to start with an apology today uh, because I uh, said that uh, I would have a new open. I don't have a new open, but I do have my partner back uh, from Tampa, which is nice. Uh, what airline put you through uh, Hades to get home? Um, Southwest. I mean, Southwest. Wow. No, okay. it's not their fault. It's just you know, it is. Happens. That's the life on the road, man. And six hours in the in the Tampa airport, and um, they gave us a hundred dollar voucher. Then I proceeded to give it away to this nice old couple who I think uh, were traveling and would like to travel more. So they were more than happy to take the $100 voucher. So they gave you a $100 voucher for future use on Southwest just right. for the inconvenience of waiting yeah, around. Which okay. is, That's uh, nice. Big it's league good play. customer service, yeah. Uh, I wanted to say, we'll take the $100 and put it toward the maintenance of your airplanes, but <laughs> I thought better of that because I'm making better decisions now. Right. as the last time we were together, we talked about. Yeah, this is, this and thing so we're I doing it, at the yeah. end of every podcast holds me accountable. Uh, so. It does. It holds me more accountable. I mean, I'm saying I'm always perfect, but uh, it holds me Well, here's the thing, Bruce. Here's the thing, right? So you've been in these situations. It's so frustrating. But I know it's nobody's fault. You're not going to take it on the people at the gate. You're not going right. to take it out on the, on the flight attendants. You know, but I was so frustrated. And here's a hundred dollars. You know, we're gonna buy buy you off. It was my initial thought. That again, my human thought, yeah. right? So I just sat there and I said, I, I just I'm not I'm gonna smile and not complain because people are complaining and moaning, which does nothing. Right. So I didn't even go up and claim my hundred dollar voucher because I did want to say you can keep it and put it toward the maintenance so this doesn't happen again. But that wouldn't be the right thing to say. No, it wouldn't. But that was my thought, right? Because I'm a smart aleck, and so that'd be one of those things we talked about where you feel so good you think to say it, and then the minute you exactly. say it, you're like, "What did I do that?" Yeah, for? it's stupid, right? So I get on the plane, and they say. Charles Spielman, because my real name is Charles. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people don't know that, but my real name is Charles. And I ring the flight attendant light. They come back. Here's your $100 voucher. And I say, thank you very much. And I saw this older couple sitting right across the aisle from me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think they're probably traveling or visiting grandkids or whatever. That was my assumption. So for whatever reason, I said, okay, let's take the negative and turn it into a positive. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I don't need a $100 voucher. I it's fine, you know. Now, I mean, Fox is paying for your right. Flight. So, so uh, the right thing would be to do would be to reimburse Fox for that. But I mean, technically, but I thought Fox wouldn't mind if I gave this hundred dollar voucher to this older couple who, to me, seemed like they were visiting grandkids, and they were so grateful. So it made it all worth it, and it made the six hour delay worth it. So it's good to be back, though. Good to have you back. And we have the college football playoff rankings out last night. Ohio State gets passed by LSU off LSU's victory over Alabama. Clemson moves up from five to three, and we have a new number four team, and it's Georgia over Alabama, mm. which I would not have done. I would have had Alabama four, and I know a lot of Ohio State fans were celebrating Alabama's loss to LSU, uh, I think because they don't want Alabama in the playoff because, you know, they are not afraid, but, you know, I mean, the easier the path, I guess, uh, the more uh, people like it. Uh, I don't think Ohio State would have to fear Alabama. I don't at think all. Georgia's top 14. I don't either. Uh, you know, their win over Notre Dame is somewhat suspect, in my view, because of what Michigan did. Uh, and, you know, Oregon and Utah, they talk about them passing. Bama at the end, uh, Oregon and Utah together have played one top 25 team. Mm -hmm. That team is Auburn, and Oregon lost to Auburn. Well, 
I haven't followed all the records and stuff mm-hmm. like you have, but I have watched uh, those teams. I've watched Clemson. I've watched LSU. I've watched Alabama. I've watched Ohio State, and I've watched Georgia. That's the top five, correct? <laughs> yes, sir. And to me, there's a big difference in talent between Georgia and Clemson, Georgia and Alabama, Georgia and Ohio State, and Georgia and LSU. I'm watching LSU-Alabama last week intently, and – I remember saying, when I get back to the podcast, I, I made a note to myself, when I get back to the podcast, I'm going to say this, and I mean it, Alabama, for sure, LSU, for sure, Clemson, it depends on the quarterback, but athlete-wise, they Did you match- watch them Saturday night? Clemson? Clemson? No, I, it was 55 to 10 or something like yeah, that. It was, it was, it was against blowout. North Carolina. I can't, I mean, it's hard to judge against North Carolina. I watched them from the it's beginning. Like judging I just, Ohio State against Maryland. Yeah, I, mean, I just wanted to see what the quarterback looked like. He looked pretty good. He's getting better. Their run defense didn't look good, but everything else that they did yeah. looked pretty good. But they have athletes, and that's my point. I think from, a, um, from an athlete standpoint, I mean, LSU is loaded. They're loaded on the offensive line, the defensive line, their linebackers, their secondary, their receivers. You got uh, Joe Burrow is just. You know, playing the Heisman Trophy level, uh, Alabama. I thought when you look at Tua, and he's not healthy, but he still got it out and threw for 420 yards. There's or a lot of lot of disagreement on that. I heard Barrett Salee from CBS say that Tua's injury had nothing to do with that loss, and I vehemently disagree okay. with that. I thought the first fumble was a hundred. Well, was a large measure him. Yeah. I'm scrambling, and I don't want to get hit on this ankle, and all of a sudden he lost the ball. Did you think his injury limited him at any point? I thought more so in the first half than the second, but I thought it was a factor in the loss. Do you agree or disagree? I think early on, I think he was rusty. Yeah, I do. So I'm not the injury itself. I, I do think scrambling around, he's not as normal. When he scrambles, I mean, he's a threat running the football. I just don't think he was himself. Uh, he still played uh, really well. That Joe was amazing, especially running the football and keeping the chains alive. So, but talent-wise, those teams are right there with Ohio State. I mean, it's clear now. And if if we were going just by okay, who's the best four teams in the country? I think the top four are exactly right. What we have, there's no well, doubt Georgia's about it. Georgia's four. You don't think Georgia? No, I mean Alabama's. I yeah. think better than Georgia. Yeah. Now that's, I, that's, I agree. that's not to say that Georgia can't beat Alabama and Georgia mm-hmm. can't beat. But I'm just talking about the four best teams, and and I'm looking at it from a talent standpoint. An athlete standpoint, that those four teams that I mentioned, Alabama, Clemson, LSU, and Ohio State, are, are a cut above everybody else. Yeah, so I have to rate every aspect of the team. Now, I don't know LSU special teams. I'd give Ohio State and LSU offense and defense. Again, I don't watch LSU as intently as I do Ohio State, but I'm just going off the fact that they've beaten Florida and Auburn and Texas and now Alabama, they must be good on offense and yeah. defense. They're I very t- good on offense. I turned the Ohio State game off because it was just, I mean, it's its its not, it really, quite frankly, isn't worth my time to waste time watching them beat somebody where it's 42 nothing at halftime. Yeah. I, although I do love the killer instinct of Ryan Day kicking the uh, onside kick in a beautifully executed play yeah. between Alave and, was it Hobble or? Hobble. Uh, Hobble. Talk about why you think he would do that. There are always people in that situation where you're winning comfortably and you're going to win even more comfortably than you are at the moment of the onside kick who would say, well, why would you show that now? Why wouldn't you use that as a surprise against Michigan or Penn State? You show that now because you saw that Maryland was vulnerable to that because their furthest most outside guy on the kickoff receiving team was tucked so far inside that you want to take advantage of it. Now other teams have to prepare for that. 
And so you're going to have a guy widen out. So that might disrupt or change a preparation as far as your kickoff return goes in preparing for Ohio State. And usually you don't do something unless you have something else in the hopper. So I'm sure there's in a kid to kick that ball that accurately yeah, and time so well. Impressive. There's got to be other things that he can do. And it's just uh, another thing that, you, unfortunately, if you're playing Ohio State, that you have to prepare for. Now, uh, Maryland, that's a poor job of coaching because if you know Ohio State's kickoff team, what do they always do? They always shrink the field, yes, correct? And they weren't shrinking the field there. So, anyway, I uh, I fl- uh, flicked over to row your boat, and mm. you, and even you, my friend, Sky Yuma, you have to be impressed with the job. I am impressed with that. I said that last year DJ that I didn't Fleck. want to admit it, but he had a his He's got it going last, on, man. His team last year in Ohio Stadium was they had young talent. Uh, they played hard. Uh, they respond to him. I mean, that's when you see a scene like that in the locker room after a game where he's crowd surfing his players. They love him, and guys who <laughs> yeah. love their coach play their oh, tails man. off for their coach. Well, that's the whole thing with. And I think I just had this conversation with a a college player now, where, where uh, a, a friend of the family's who's struggling a little bit because not everybody's buying into the system. Mm-hmm. Not everybody's buying into quote unquote the program, and when you don't have everybody buying into the program it can get really ugly, right? Mm-hmm. But in Minnesota, they're buying into the program. And the other cool thing about that is to see a quarterback that's playing at a high level. And I don't even know the kid's name. Tanner Morgan. He, he is playing at a really high level. And they have some talent. Now, what, can they hang with Ohio State? Everything would have to go their way. Uh, they'd have to win the turnover margin by three. Three, yeah, for them to have a chance and probably be roughly around 70% on third downs. Uh, I said last week we were talking about Penn State. I said I don't believe in Penn State because I don't believe in their secondary. And Minnesota, a running team, comes out and throws three first half touchdown yeah. passes against them. And and the, you know they Long were ones too. Yeah, Long and ones. they were good passes too. And and their defense played well. And Antoine Winfield Jr. had two picks, and he's a good player. But uh, it was uh, it to me that watching that game was so much more interesting than watching the Ohio State game and it's going to be more interesting watching another game than Ohio State play Rutgers I mean oh it's just goodness. I mean I'm I, I I love watching Ohio State and the talent but I know what I'm going to get already I already know the team I already I moved on and then I'm looking forward to Penn State uh the beautiful thing about this is Penn State is more than capable of beating Ohio State now that being said with the caveat that they you know they have to win the turnover margin by two Everything has to go their way. Ohio State has to have a t- boatload of penalties, untimely penalties, yeah. third downs that were converted to first downs but come back because of a holding or yeah. illegal formation or whatever the case may be. The other thing I want to say about Penn State, why they have a chance is because I really like the quarterback. I think do he's going to be. Yeah, yeah, I do. You don't like him? I just think he's not special. I think he's okay. I think he's well, serviceable. I think he's pretty good. Yeah, I okay. think he's pretty good. Okay. We'll see. Um but uh, it's, it, it should be an, an interesting game. And I do think the Michigan game is going to be interesting. I know you don't, but I think that – got to see them this week and is next. Is it at – It's, an, an, it's yeah. in Ann Arbor. So there's a shot then. Look, you're getting a, you're getting a Michigan State team that you could not get them at a more vulnerable time. They give up four touchdowns at home – in the fourth quarter to Illinois and lose a game they were up 28-3. Yeah. to three. Uh, Everybody up there is like, you know, Mark D'Antonio might as well be in a casket the way they're writing his epitaph at the moment, and they're coming into you your get, place. Yeah. 
if you can't beat Michigan State handily this week and then win in Indiana, and Indiana doesn't have Michael Penix, which they didn't have him against well, Ohio they, State they, either. The kid from uh, Elder, from Elder yeah. is pretty good. Patrick Ramsey, yeah. he's okay. He's He and Sean Clifford, to me, are the exact same quarterback, the Penn State quarterback and the IU backup okay. quarterback. But, um, yeah, i got to see two more weeks of dominant play out of Michigan before I'm going to buy that that'll be a game in the fourth okay. quarter. Okay. Well, let, me, let me pursue the Minnesota angle a bit. Okay. When our friend Glenn Mason was the coach at Minnesota, mm-hmm. uh, he and I had a conversation. And, you know, of course, he's putting this forward because it makes him look good. But I didn't disagree with his opinion at the time that Minnesota is the toughest school in the Big Ten to win because your in-state talent is the only place in the, in the Big Ten where a lot of your athletes don't even play football. They play hockey. And he said, you know, a lot of my guys who are really good athletes could be really good football players. They're Mm -hmm. hockey players. But the thought has been this week that, you know, P.J. Flex signs the seven-year deal before before the Penn State game, then wins the Penn State game. And now I'm talking to people who say, hey, he could build that into a force in the Big Ten West because Minneapolis is a great city, Um, you know, because... I don't know why else, but, you know, he does have Minneapolis and Columbus would be parallel uh, business opportunities for young men who realize that they can parlay their college football Mm -hmm. career, if not into an NFL career, into a nice business career. What do you think of Minnesota's long-term viability? And is he genuine in signing that deal as like, you know, I'm not going to be respond if Florida State calls or this school calls calls or that school calls. So what's so Minneapolis probably has or Minnesota, the state, probably has, what, maybe eight Division One players a year, if that? Well, yeah. I eight mean, to ten? What I would say is, how many players out of the state of Minnesota would be good enough that Ohio State would try to recruit them? And over the years, the guys from Minnesota, what, James Laurinaitis? Back in the day, Sean Trell Henderson, a yeah. big tackle who went to Miami. They would have wanted him. Uh, they have one really good school there, that Creighton-Durham High School. Well, That's Eden, where Joe Prairie, Eden Prairie okay. Okay. is the – Well, you would – yeah, you yeah, would know. Eden Rick's Prairie is actually there. the state champions every year. Okay. So what do you – yeah, okay. Let's say they have eight D1 players. Yeah. How many five stars do they have every year? Or four oh, stars? I know. I, I'm just talking about D1 players. I'm okay. not talking about five stars. And, you know, and, and I think what P.J. does and is what Wisconsin and Barry Alvarez does and did for many years and – you just have to do a great job of identifying players who fit into what you want to do. Then you have to do a great job of projecting what kind of player they're going to be into your system. I mean, that's how Barry Alvarez built Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's certainly possible at Minnesota. Then you have to be able to recruit Chicago, talent in Chicago. Can you get some of the Ohio State, not one, not one of guys, the, the, the guys that Ohio State don't want, can you yeah. get some of those guys? Where's he to going come. to get his skill guys, his fast guys? Does he have Florida connections? Does he have Texas, California connections? Because you're going to have to go somewhere else and get your skill guys. I, Chicago, you can get some. Yeah, I would think Chicago or, or maybe he's got something out west. I don't know who he has on yeah. his staff. So I don't know, but I do think that uh, the best thing he has going for him is to row you row your boat. And what is the other one? Skyuma. Skyuma. I mean, what does that mean? Skyuma. He says means row the boat. That's okay, his little sign off thing. Whole... Skyuma means row the boat. All right. <laughs> what it, I mean, it is what it is, right? It's corny, but it's yeah. working for him, and it's fun to see another team have success. I I love these stories. 
he's a fun story. I I got a kick out of him last night on the playoff rankings. He's you know he's totally on brand yeah, while he's sitting there. He's, dude, he's totally not, on brand. He's not an idiot. He knows what he's yeah, got. Yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. And it's his chance to sell and recruit. And the other thing, you know, these stories. Even a guy like uh, Matt Rule out down at mm-hmm. Baylor, who's nine and zero down at Baylor after that debacle. Next head coach at Penn State, and what uh, went 20, down there in twenty twenty <laughs> when James Franklin goes but, to I USC. Mean, the, those are the, I think, the stories that are interesting to me, and I love to see them. What I don't like to see is, like you said, Mark D'Antonio was dead man walking, basically, uh-huh. at Michigan State. How long have those writers up there been waiting to, to bury him? Well, uh, do you think? Yeah, because you give them a reason by being disagreeable all the time. You can be professional and but not be angry all the time. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, I think this is a huge game. For Michigan State, the problem is... I wouldn't doubt their ability to win it, by the way. Oh, no. No, no. Absolutely not. I mean, it's a great game. It is a great game to cover. You had the famous punt drop return touchdown last play game. Yeah, I did. Uh, Sean McDonough with a great call on that. It's a a great rivalry, and and living up there, I was able to experience it. And Actually, when I worked for ESPN and doing college football, I covered a number of those games. It's such a great game to watch, and uh, we'll see. Well, I think it's a more important game for Michigan, quite frankly, than Michigan State. I uh, do too. You know, Michigan had. I mean, Michigan is ranked fifteenth, I believe, somewhere around there. Is that correct? Yeah, I think they were fourteen or fifteen. Seven last and two in college football playoff rankings, and they're starting to get it going both offensively and defensively. So, uh, I want to see how they respond in the rivalry game, and and it's. It's been a while, I, I think, for where Michigan has been able to establish their dominance on Michigan State. And, and Michigan State, and under Mark D'Antonio at least, has had Michigan's number overall. Yeah, they do, certainly have. Uh, flashes of fun. We'll take your senior pictures and do a great job with them if you would like uh, something unique as a gift to give to someone you love. How about uh, a senior picture, a pet picture, a family picture? It would be uh, a great thing for you to do to get a hold of Flashes of Fun. On the web, flashesofun.com and $50 off uh, your uh, booking. They'll do it indoors, outdoors, wherever it suits you. Easy to work with, flashesofun.com. And speaking of Flashes of Fun, we always have the Flashes of Fun Picture Perfect Play of the Day. This is not a Picture Perfect Play of the Day. It's your Picture Perfect Blast from the Past, and we were just talking about it. Get it out. Whoa, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, now take me through the anatomy of that where, you know, I don't remember Jalen Watts Jackson being a guy at all. Who's a guy you'd say, you know, I mean, you would look out there right away and you go, oh, it's Jeff Okuda. You know, you know his number or whatever. So you got a flip card in front of you. You're Sean McDonough. You got a spotter beside you. That's the miracle. That's that's the amazing talent Teamwork. part of that to me is how do you execute that from a broadcast standpoint in so, the moment? Here's the thing. The one thing, did you hear me say get it out right Get it out get, right away on yeah. the snap, on the punt, yes. And I set that up and I said there's only one thing you have to worry about, get the ball away. Get yeah. it away. I mean, clean snap and one step it, get it away or get it out. So when the play happens, I got to be out of my comment before the ball is snapped, yeah. whatever that comment may be. I want to be quick because I don't want to step on Sean or any other play-by-play guy. 
So the play happens. Sean recognizes it, and Sean will tell you this. We just I just talked to him the other day uh, when there was the anniversary of this. So that was a week or two mm-hmm. weeks ago or whatever it was. And the 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 guy that's the MVP of that is the spotter, because Sean is calling a game and who's the long snapper, who's mm-hmm. the punter. And so the spotter was able to pick up the number, and this is what makes it more impressive because Jalen Watts-Jackson was a backup, right? Yeah. And he ended up getting hurt on that play, by the yes, way, he too. Did. And And the spotter uh, was able to identify it for Sean, and, of course, Sean, without even breaking a beat, is able to throw the name out there, and we're able to watch okay, it so, happen. So the guy sees him. First of all, this is amazing to me that the guy is watching the play, and this amazing play is unfolding right yeah. before him. And the spotter has the presence of mind to look down at his flip card and find the kid. It's his job, yeah. Okay, but there's a million numbers on that card. That's his, well, uh, yeah. Usually, so the the and the other thing that's even more challenging is, and that was certainly we see it nowadays uh, even more prevalent is the double numbers. Yes. And so for for the spotter to do that. Uh, so then he true. points to it, right on the card. He points yeah. to it, and there's a little square on the card where the, probably the. Well, no, it's just a, just a number, and he. I didn't know if you had a flip card. You yeah, got the starters, well, two and then things. you got the Sean, backups. Sean has uh, a board, just like I have okay. a board. But for special, and you do your own board. Yeah, right? I do my own. He does his own because I, I like things set up a certain way, and I know how to identify. And I put, I like the. I got like a million notes all over my board, mm-hmm. just things that reminded me or things that I prepared for during the week. But the, on special teams plays, because there's different guys, even in the NFL, there's a, a there's a blown-up flip card that the stadium hands out with the rosters and the number roster. So the spotter has his own flip card board just in case it's not on the play-by-play guy's board. You know what I mean? Yes. And so he'll, on special teams, he has that ready to go so he can point to whatever play happens right to a number. But it's blown up really big. Like okay. he'll he'll do his own separate thing where it's blown up, so Sean can just look and not squint his eyes to right. try to find it, right? And so it was just uh, executed perfectly uh, by Sean and, and and by the producer and the director. Even the shot with the kid that has his hands on the his hands head. On his head. I mean, yeah, which became a, a national shot. And yeah. it was just one of those moments in television that you live for. Not because it it, it was uh, such a great call, because your team came together. And working in TV, you have enough experience and heard me talk about it enough. It, it, it's it's a team effort thing, and there's a lot of people that go in to making a good broadcast, and that was a great broadcast moment. And probably, I would say, if you ask Sean, maybe his top moment of his career or one well, of his he top moments. Like he's called hi- World Series. He doesn't like the highlight because his voice breaks. But that's which I makes think it makes great. it. Yeah, I think makes it. But he, you and I, we had him on. Uh, I forget you know where we were at the time, but he ha- we had him on, and he said, "Yeah, my voice." You know, so he wanted <laughs> it. That's the thing. He did a great job. You guys did a great job as a team, and a big part of team is trust. So when that spotter yeah. points to that number, Sean's not going, ah, I'm afraid to say that name because I'm not sure that guy's yeah. right. He trusts, he his, trusts spotter, his spotter, and he went with it, and the guy, you know, delivered on the trust because yeah. he had the right guy. And, uh, you know, but Sean, ever the perfectionist, what else could I do better? You know, and he and, wanted his voice to be better. The, the other thing I want to point out, and I got a question to ask you after I point this out, but here's something to watch. In the difference between for me calling a college game and an NFL game. So a college game and a big game like that, right? Michigan, Michigan State. When there's a big play that happens, we shut up. We're supposed to shut up and then let the director 
and the producer do their work by finding those shots and let the crowd tell the story. In the NFL, it's different. Unless you're at the black hole, for example. It's or, different from they want you different as a broadcaster. Yes, they want you to identify the stars, right? Make Show the stars and, and, and then talk about the stars that make the play. Is that because they think there's not the same emotion in the yeah. crowd Well, shots? look at that. I mean, how are you going to get that reaction? I mean, you might in an NFL game, you might, you just, I, what I have to do is have a feel by watching the monitor and if the director and producer put up a great crowd shot in the monitor, then I have to make the determination to shut up. Or when I see the director, ah, I don't like that, switch back to the player, then I start identifying what went right with the player, what went wrong with the play. Here's, you know, you're I, right, because in the NFL, I, now that I think about it, the shots they go to after something, if unless there's a hot-button guy, like with the Cowboys, you always see Jerry Jones in the box. But they always flash to Brady, they flash to Baker Mayfield, yeah, they the flash to the coach on the sidelines. They don't go to the crowd. You're right. You're, you're, well, you're, you're not selling the – I mean, the crowd is part of college football, especially in that atmosphere. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Sure. In the NFL, what's the stars? The stars. Stars are the, the stars. stars. are the stars. Yeah. Sell the stars. Yeah. I got a question for you. I got a text uh, from a friend of ours at Fox College Football, mm-hmm. and it's not Urban – by the way, but it's a friend of ours who said, uh, what's with, why did Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson have to apologize? And I said, well, I wasn't on the broadcast. I was stuck in the Tampa airport. And I said, well, I don't know. What, I, I did not hear the podcast. And were you ripping on Gus was, Johnson and yeah, Joel I guess Klatt? I, yeah, I guess I kind of was. You want me to, uh, yeah, did you I, hear about what happened during the game? No, because I was watching a real game, Penn State and Michigan, okay. or Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota. Okay, so... Just to retrace, uh, Chase Young, you know, obviously not able to play because of the uh, loan from a friend. What uh, is there? Okay, we'll get we, to we that. Have, well, I'll just go through that now. Okay. Yesterday, Ryan Day said no, no new information, and I asked every kind of question I could ask of the people at Ohio State. I said, "Look, is it that you know the timetable for a decision and you just don't want to say what the timetable is?" Because a penalty's coming down and you have an appeal ready, and so whatever right. comes down won't be a final thing until the appeal's done. Like, why won't you say anything? And, and their response is, we're just not going to say anything. Okay. So they're just not, okay, well, after a while, you just stop asking. Okay. So we don't have an update on Chase Young as of Wednesday morning. Now, the whole thing boils down to whether the friend was established before he was in school? Yeah, the whole thing boils down to... Or is to he a registered he, agent? Here's the thing. He can say the person is a friend, and the person may be a friend, but the person may also be uh, an agent or an aspiring agent or whatever, and the NCAA looks at these kinds of relationships because, look, Chase Young was a five-star coming out of Cheltenham, Maryland. It's not a mystery to know that, hey, you know, if I get close to that kid now, mm-hmm. uh, someday that might pay off for me. So that's what the NCAA looks at these relationships, and if it's a longstanding relationship or if there's no, <laughs> to coin a phrase now, quid pro quo in the relationship. Wow. Yeah, that's appropriate, isn't um, it? Timely? Then, yeah, then, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, but I do think it was interesting, uh, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson, who spent all day Friday with the Ohio State coaches mm-hmm. before the game, then Sunday, after the Maryland game, Klatt did a little three-and-a-half-minute video of sure. here's what I know now about the Chase Young thing. And he, in the pregame tweets he sent and in the pregame opinions he offered, said that the friend was definitely not an agent. Right. In the postgame video on Sunday, he did not say that. 
Well, maybe he got new information. Maybe he did. So I'm just saying, I don't. I think that is at the core of what we're waiting to. Well, find. I, I I think it's very possible that he got new information because I was arguing with my crew about that, and I said he was a family friend. Then I think Pro Football Talk or somebody Pro came, Football Talk said he was an agent. He was an agent, yes. and somebody else said he was an agent. So I don't know if he was an agent or he wasn't an agent. I, I think this is, could all be. Uh, taken care of if if you go ahead and and give the players uh the right to earn some money doing that yeah okay i mean that's of course you know where i fall on that yes and i fall there too okay so back to the what was said during the game clad and gus johnson okay you don't have any you don't have any awareness of this that they made they made more than an insinuation that maryland turned ohio state in are you unaware of that because I can play you the I audio. I thought the girlfriend turned him in. Okay, so here's... I don't know. I don't know who turned him in. All right, so, well, all that concerns the phone call you got from someone we know at Fox and me tweeting that, you know, hey, are they going to apologize to Maryland? So to explain to him why I say they should apologize to Maryland, uh, I'm going to play you the audio of what happened in the middle of the Ohio State-Maryland game. And, you know... Yeah, it's I want to hear a, it, yeah. It's a blowout game. It's late. Here, let me set the scene. It's late in the first half. There's under a minute to go. Ohio State is up 42 to nothing. Maryland has the ball. They run a first down play, and Ohio State calls a timeout. They run a second down play, and Ohio State calls a timeout. Okay. Now, I think I have the right hotkey for this audio. If not, I'll apologize and we'll find it. But here is, I believe, what Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt had to say after Ohio State called the second timeout with 38 seconds remaining. No, that's Kevin Harlan. All right, I apologize. That's Kevin Harlan on Lamar Jackson, which you can... MVP Lamar Jackson? No. Yes? Yeah. Okay, well, you're going to join the legion of people who are going to have to retract (laughs) all these stupid Lamar Jackson MVP things when he turns out to be Robert Griffin III, the second. But he still can be the MVP. He... Russell Wilson won the MVP Monday night. All right, let me try again here on Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. Getting you all flustered. Another timeout. They had all three of them left, and they absolutely will get the ball back here. Ryan Day pouring it on a little bit here. It's personal. Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting, partner, with what's going on this week. Remember, Chase Young is from that Washington, D.C. area. Said he borrowed money from the family friend. Who would know about that? <laughs> this, this seems interesting. 42 nothing. taking the timeouts. If they stop him here, they're getting the ball back. Okay, so do you see why they flat out are saying right there, Maryland turned Ohio State in? Mm-hmm. That's what they're saying. Now, the scenario I posed was, can you imagine the storm Cladden Johnson would be in from the Ohio State fan base if they made the same kind of an accusation about Ohio State turning someone in and the Maryland coach Mm -hmm. after the game, like Ryan Day did, said, no, 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 not at all. I don't think that at all. I wasn't running the score up. No, no, no. Maryland has no cachet in the Big Ten. Mike Loxley has no standing as a, you know, a guy nationally four and like, 30 as a head coach so you can my point is you can engage in that kind of message board speculation accusation against maryland because they have no power but if you did that to ohio state you'd be in it brother Mm -hmm. and you should be in it because that's unprofessional 
It's not fair to Maryland, and I think they owe Maryland an apology for that. So I would, and I would say that to Joe Unless Klatt, they have I'd the say information that, that Maryland well, okay, did. Okay, so then let's bring it forward. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it forward, which they didn't in that case. They don't say I have a source who said or la 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 la. You know the imp- the the thing that gave it weight to me was, well, these guys spent all day at the Ohio State football facility on Friday, mm-hmm. and they're giving information out over Friday afternoon that they're clearly getting from Ohio State. So when they come to the table with that on Saturday, people had a reasonable expectation of going, well, Ohio State told them that, and they Ohio State thinks Maryland turned them in, or Ohio State knows Maryland turned them in. Yeah, if I were them, and I'm just putting myself in that situation, you are privy to uh, information. I don't know what they were told or not what they weren't told. I'm just from me, if I, if I don't have the go-ahead from the people at the university – or the coach, then I sit on whatever information I have. If he will tell me, if it, I mean, you know this, if somebody says to you, it's off the record, or mm-hmm. don't say this, but, and for me, then I, I take that seriously because my business is based on relationships and I don't want to violate anybody's. I don't know what Joel and Gus know or didn't know. I have no idea. I'm just going from how I would approach it. And if I had information and they told me not to say it, then I wouldn't insinuate it. Yeah, and I mean, if you are going to report it, you need to give the sourcing on it. You know how I work. I mean, when this thing happened last Friday, I got on the phone right away to the people that I think may know more than is being reported, and I got a couple names I could throw out there of who the family friend is, and I can give you my... You know, somewhat informed informed opinion on how many games it's going to be and how much money it was and stuff like that. I'm not going to do that because to me, being wrong, the risk of being wrong is not worth the reward of being first. I don't think you... I don't want to be wrong in an irresponsible effort to be first. I don't know what Joel and Gus had or didn't have, so it's, it's I'm not going to sit here and judge what they went with or they, what they didn't go with. I can only speak for my, for my experiences that sitting in meetings, I had one this week with Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Don't say this, but it was information that helped me in the broadcast. Mm-hmm. And so I don't say it. Right. Because... I never want to violate that trust. And well, you'd never get any information out of them ever again done. in the future. You're done. Your credibility's blown. And, and not only your credibility's blown with that team, but your credibility is blown because you know the NFL is a tight knit fraternity Correct. of people, right? Absolutely. And uh, so I had a lot of information. Um, I mean, I have relationships with general managers in the league, I have relationships with PR people, I have relationships with coaches, assistant coaches. I never want to violate their trust. I don't, again, I'm not going to speak and make a judgment on Joel and Gus because I don't know what they know or what they were told they can say and what they can't say. If they were told they can say something, then I don't have a problem with it as long as you don't accredit it to them. It's one of those where, hey, don't, you didn't hear don't this. Put it from, on me. Yeah, yeah, you didn't hear this from me. And so I got to believe somebody told them something for them to insinuate like they did i mean they were laughing a little bit and and you know quite frankly maybe the explanation for the onside kick yeah i mean that's i think they put two and two together and according to ryan day two and two did not equal four because he was i watched his facial expressions when rob oller and kudos to rob oller of the dispatch for asking that after the game because it was a key question much more interesting than anything that happened in the game 
uh, Rob asked the question, and Ryan Day's facial expression when he when he got the gist of Rob's question, which was Marilyn turned you in. Ryan's like, gets this crazy, you know, like what? Yeah. Like no, I'm I play well, the first know. half. Play the first half. Here, here's what Ryan had to say about it. Yeah. Ryan, gonna let you respond to this on TV. They were talking about the timeouts, the onside kick, and there was an implication that uh, this might have been personal for you. Uh, the inference being that Maryland was somehow involved in the chase, uh, bringing that to light. Uh, no, nothing like that at all. Okay. No, no that, that, nothing like that at all. Nope, that wasn't anything uh, other than just I mean, we're always going to be aggressive in the first half. I mean, I, I feel like when you're playing the first half of any game, anything could happen in the second half. So you do the best you can to be aggressive. And then if it gets out of hand in the second half, you, you know, you're, you're smart about – you know, tempo. You're sh smart about maybe taking shots, especially in the fourth quarter, and you want to run the game, you know, run the ball, and show respect. And you know, I thought we did that. You know, I thought we ran the ball and kind of played slow in the second half. Uh, by no means uh, would I ever try to run up a score at all. It's just you know we're letting our guys. I play. would. And uh, <laughs> so no, that that would be completely out of line. Yeah. So there's the there's the answer, and I agree with him. First half, man. If you get dinged for something you do in the first half, I'm sorry about it. Bring a better effort if you're the opponent and you're aggrieved by something that happened in the first half. Yeah. Stover Farms Custom Meats will give you 15% off when you're a Spielman and Hooley podcast listener. Mention it when you go to their retail store at 4000 Presidential Parkway. It's just off Sawmill Road, and there's a light at Presidential. Real easy to find near the Target store. So uh, you head east from there, and big sign, Stover Farms Custom Meats. Trevor Stover and Chelsea Stover's lovely wife are the parents of Cade Stover, Buckeye linebacker and reigning Mr. Football. And, hey, we can't guarantee you that your son uh, or daughter will grow up to be no? a Division One athlete. Spiels, for, for a while, <laughs> thought if you uh, feed your kids that certified Angus beef that uh, Trevor grows yeah. and then processes and brings down to Columbus three times a week, that that would guarantee you a D1 scholarship. Uh, Trevor, Trevor corrected me on Trevor that. Trevor corrected him on that, but it will get you, I, I'm all say, a little closer to it because you'll know what's in your protein and you'll know that there's uh, no hormones in that protein. And they have poultry and pork that are similarly grown. Uh, Thanksgiving coming up, get your Thanksgiving turkey from Stover Farms Custom Meats. It'll be the best you've ever had. Uh, StoverFarmsCustomMeats.com is the website. Again, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Tell them you're a Spielman and Hooley listener and get 15% off. All right. Um, the review of the day, and we love when you review us on iTunes. We learn from it. And, yeah, it helps us with sponsors. It's from A.O. O'Brien19. He says, I used to listen to you guys every morning on the way to campus, and I was so upset when I found out the zone was done. But it is nice to have you back, so I have something to listen to for the drive to work. And having a faith aspect in the podcast is so refreshing to hear. Thank you, A.O. O'Brien. Appreciate that very much. Yeah. Thank I, you. I have a question in relation to Joe Burrow, and I've not been able to ask Ryan Day this question yet, uh, but I will at some point. Is Joe Burrow winning the Heisman Good for Ohio State or bad for Ohio State? I think it's great for Ohio State. Okay, why? Because it just goes to show you and reaffirm that if I'm Ryan Day, hey, I trained that kid for three years. Or or Ohio State trained that kid for three years. Yeah. Another Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. Another great quarterback. Another guy that's going to be maybe in the top pick overall or at the very least in the top ten. The thought that I have about it is that it makes it hard for the next guy who's in a quarterback battle at Ohio State. It makes it hard to keep him because let's say it's, uh, you know, Jack Miller, the kid from um, the Phoenix area who's right. coming to Ohio State, and he doesn't win the job two years from now. And Jack Miller's like, 
well, I'm not going to sit here because, uh, look, Joe Burrow left and he won the Heisman. So I'm here, which tells me I'm an elite quarterback because you guys at one point had JT Barrett, one of the most decorated quarterbacks in Big Ten history. You had Dwayne Haskins, a first-round yeah. NFL draft pick, and you had Joe Burrow, a Heisman Trophy winner, in your quarterback room. <laughs> Pretty I'm good. Not, I'm not sitting here and letting my chance to win the Heisman or become a first-round pick go somewhere. That's what I thought it might complicate things for Ryan Day, keeping the guy who's not the starter. doesn't matter. That's, that's the world that, that's we live the in. That's the world we live in. And if you're going to live in that world, then keep accruing as much talent as you possibly yeah. can. Absolutely. All right, so we covered my uh, issue with Fox and uh, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt. Let me cover my issue with the Browns' win over the Bills as the Browns get ready to play the Steelers tomorrow night. And I said that that win to me was almost more depressing than a loss because if you win a game and don't learn from your mistakes, then you're pretty much certain to repeat your mistakes. First series of the game, Browns go down the field, score a touchdown. Jarvis Landry, 17-yard touchdown pass. He gets right up, and he goes over in the face of the Buffalo corner, and he taunts him, and he gets a 15-yard penalty for taunting. And Sean McDermott takes the penalty on the PAT, and they kick the PAT from the 48-yard line, and Austin Seibert misses it. And so at the end of the game, the score is 16-12, to Buffalo. Browns are driving. Had they made the point, and I'm going to presume they would have made the point if it would have been from 15 yards closer, mm-hmm. it would have been 16-13, and they would have had the fallback of being able to kick a field goal if they didn't get in the end zone. Now, they got in the end zone, and they won the game. And after the game, Doug Maurice of Cleveland.com asked Jarvis Landry about the penalty, and he said, absolutely, I would do it again. The reason why he says he would do it again is because he plays with an edge, and his edge is important to the Browns. And Baker Mayfield backed him up on that. Of course And he did. other players backed him up on of that. Of course they do. And so I think it was ridiculously dumb. If I was Freddie Kitchens, I would have sat him on the bench the rest of the first half because you cost my team a, game, uh, a point. And when I'm 2-6 and six and the Bills are 6-2, and two, I can't afford to Don't give you any points. Don't that's have my that's my opinion on that. So if I were broadcasting that game and I saw that, the first thing that comes out of my mind is, or out of my mouth, and I've done this maybe twice this year, selfish decision. That means you're playing for for Jarvis and satisfy Jarvis instead of uh, making the decision and swallowing your pride or whatever for for one second for the good of the team. And until they change that mentality, it will come back and bite them in the rear end. It always does, and it might not be for two or three games, but it always does because for whatever reason, there's such a need, I guess it's narcissism for this team, to, to uh, lavish praise upon themselves before they lavish praise upon a team in every decision that one player makes on a team. And, and in fairness to Jarvis, I've made some selfish decisions on the football field, ones that I wish I could take back, but I usually try to learn from them and say, what am I doing? I, I remember one time uh, a team was in hurry up two minute, and I walked back to the line of scrimmage because I was ticked off and I wanted to prove a point. Well, it cost our team five yards. I'll never forget it, and I was so mad at myself. And it, my ego and my pride took over. There's a way, and if Jarvis were ever to inquire about my – uh, advice or whatever, I would say, there's a way to keep your edge, Jarvis. You're a great player. And you beat a guy on a play, you don't need to let the guy know that you beat you beat him on the play. He knows that yeah, you beat him knows. on the play. Just, you know, everything's got to be based off what's best for the team, and you have to be able to keep your composure. There's certainly a way to play with an edge without trying to show everybody who you beat and why you beat them because our eyes don't lie. So that would be my advice. 
Uh, probably wouldn't be taken, but what else is new? Browns and Steelers on Thursday night football. The Steelers are loaded up with first-round draft picks uh, on their defensive side. Uh, this one, the Browns have to win. I think they have to win every game if they want to get into the playoffs. Uh, you do. You have not done a Steeler game. You have not done a Browns mm-hmm. game. Well, what do you think of this one from your position? As I think NFL the Browns. Where you pro- I, might have watched them on tape against. The where team is the game? Doing. It's in Cleveland. I, I think the Browns will get them. I do. I think Mason Rudolph. I was just reading some articles because, you know, I'm fascinated by the NFL. Uh, I did not watch it because I was watching the Saints get their runs beat by the Falcons, yeah. which that's the NFL, right? It is. And New Orleans. They got beat like that. <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, it wasn't even that close, by the way. No, it wasn't. One uh, in seven Atlanta. Yeah. It was a train wreck, and everybody's getting run out of there at the end of the year. Ah, but Mason Rudolph is playing well, and Steelers are tough out, man. I mean, you could say what you want, and you lose Ben Roethlisberger, and they're sitting there at five and four, right? What are they? One game out of first place. With yeah, the, they go get Minka Fitzpatrick, and wow, the Lamar Lamar Jackson led Ravens. Ravens, the leader for the MVP. In your mind, there's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. But there have been people like him. Not him. Okay. Not him. Okay. No. Look, I know I'm swimming against the tide here, and the tide may overwhelm me, and I may drown in my own stupidity. I've been wrong before, and I will be wrong again. But I was the guy who years ago said the Browns should draft Russell Wilson because, look, everybody's, ah, he's too short. I'm like, well, he played behind the biggest offensive line I've ever seen, and he never got a pass batted down. You know what? And Russell Wilson is a guy, I'll roll with him before I'll roll with Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying I wouldn't roll with Russell Wilson. You said Lamar Jackson runs like a running back. You're not at at peace with the way he takes hits. No, I'm not. I'm not saying if he stays healthy, he can be the MVP. That doesn't mean he's not going to put up great numbers, and he's the reason why the Ravens are where the Ravens are. I think you would agree with that. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And but to me he's a phenomenon like, although not the same as RG3. He's a phenomenon like RG3. And no one would have thought after RG3 won rookie of the year that yeah. his shelf life was as short as it turned out to RG3, be. RG3, well that's cuz injuries also set RG3 back. RG3 is not even in the same planet with this guy's running skills. I, now, I know. I just said he's a phenomenon like Lamar Jackson. I don't know what his shelf life is because he runs like a running back and he takes way too many hits. Just a little bit different. I do believe a running quarterback can survive in this league as opposed to years past, and I'm going to give my three reasons why. And You've given those. I'm, I'm just going to give them again yeah. just in case we have a new listener. Okay. And this is, this is kind of a radical position because nobody will agree with me. One, quarterbacks... No, I think you do. people do agree with you because this makes perfect sense. Yeah, quarterbacks can protect themselves by sliding... The rules of the game are set up to protect the quarterbacks, and this is the most important one. Now, not when you play Lamar Jackson, but when you play a guy like Kyler Murray or Russell or any of these guys that are phenomenal athletes. The best I ever played against was Steve Young. Just He was an unbelievable runner of the football. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the, um, the defensive mentality is to slow down or stop when these guys are running towards you yeah. because you're expecting to slide or you don't want a 15-yard penalty or a fine. Tonight, will you watch Ohio State hoops against Villanova? Yeah. Number 16 against number 10. Look at Nova's roster. Man, they got like 6'9", 6'8", 6'7", 6'9", 6'9". Value City, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, here is Chris Holtman on the difficulty of uh, playing Villanova, a school he knows well from having played them during his three seasons at Butler. Um, I, I think uh, it's, it's going to be hard. They're great, not good. 
They are elite at keeping the ball out of the post. Elite. Uh, they're an elite defensive team, but they're elite at keeping the ball out of the post. Um, even when you think you have a, a, a mismatch, um, they're tremendous at it. Um, so, I, listen, I think that uh, um, what we've got to do is, is um, you know, ball's got to move. And, and I think this is a game where, um, you know, I said it going in the last game, but if you, if you thought of a prototypical game where, where we could we could honestly use uh, not only Andre's brain, his mind, his toughness, but his length. Um, uh, this is certainly a game like that. Yeah, Andre Wesson will sit out with a fractured eye socket. That's Adam Jardy of the Dispatch tap, tap, tapping away there, not me. Okay. You heard the tap, 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 yeah. tap, tap. Adam's taking down the uh, words of the coach as he. I speaks. haven't watched yet this year, so I don't have a. I don't. I don't have an opinion. So I'll they can win this the- game. But DJ Carton, in my opinion, is going to have to have a big game for them to win the game. The freshman point playing, guard. He's playing great. He's fast. He's vastly superior to CJ Jack, uh, CJ uh, CJ Walker. Uh, we got so many initials on this team. We yeah. got uh, CJ, EJ, DJ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that it's hard to keep him straight sometimes. But Carton is is how they will win this game tonight because he can get them baskets in transition and he can get I am going and he can get them to he can get them um, penetration and kickouts and stuff like that. That's, that's so. got to be fun for you being back in yeah. uh, in the business. You know my my deranged love for Ohio State basketball. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is uh, unhealthy love for Ohio State basketball. <laughs> it's, well, well, that's the thing about you. Once you're in, you're oh, in. Oh my goodness. It's like the Browns. You got Ohio State basketball. The Browns and the Hooli curse may be coming alive. Maybe. Uh, email the show SpielmanHooliPodcast at gmail.com. Martin emails the show. He says, "Loved your radio show. Very happy to hear about the podcast. Keep up the great work." One thing you are missing about the topic of where Urban Meyer may coach next is the other side of the discussion. Would a USC or a Notre Dame offer him a job? He's got a good amount of how should I put this tactfully? A lot of smoke and some fire and baggage that he brings with him. As a Notre Dame alum, Martin writes, I absolutely do not want him. I want Notre Dame to win a national championship in football, but I'd rather not see it if it has to come with Urban Meyer as coach. Mm. So there you go. He says, thanks, I'll hang up and listen. Very good, Martin. What do you think of that, Chris Spielman? Uh, I think that every coach in this world has some type of baggage, warranted or unwarranted. So it doesn't really – I mean, there's there's things that go on in college football programs that are completely out of the coach's situations that, that he gets blamed for. Uh, I would think that 95% of Notre Dame fans would be thrilled if Urban Meyer were their coach, and I would be thrilled if he were their coach because I think he would bring Notre Dame to what it's capable of doing. The other thing I think Notre Dame, if they would just maybe – Cut a little slack on some of the mission standards for some of those players. Yes. I, I mean, I'm just being honest. Oh, that was mentioned to me yesterday by someone in college football that uh, that'll be it. something that Urban will look at closely because at Ohio State he's able to get people in. Um, and it's if you have a student who's a graduate of an Ohio high school and they're an accomplished uh, academic uh, on the academic side, you know how hard it is to get somebody into Ohio State academically. They'll yeah. make you go to a branch campus first and then bring you in. 
but on the athletic side, it is not the same way. They get a certain number of guys that they can uh, they can get in there. Uh, Joey is also curious about Urban Meyer and, and USC. He says, uh, just listen to your recent podcast about Urban and USC. You didn't mention USC President Carol Fault. Uh, I, I think her name is Fult. Anyway, have read a couple of articles saying she would not allow Urban to be hired because of the Zach Smith situation. I think people underestimate how important this is. Uh, this is L.A., woke capital of the world. Uh, wouldn't there be major pushback on campus? I don't think you can underestimate the power of wokeness to push back on Urban, no matter the power of USC football. Uh, that is, if negatives on Urban really start being pushed in the L.A. media. Um, Bill Plasky, LA Times, has already written that Urban would be the wrong guy to hire. So uh, Bill Plasky hates winning, apparently, uh, <laughs> because I, I, I mean, Urban at USC. <laughs> I don't know who'd get knocked out from the current college football power hierarchy, but I know this: you could pencil USC in the playoffs. I'll just say this: any any oh. any university, any college, any football team, and you talk to the players. Anybody would be lucky to have him as their coach. I, I just think that's the case. And, and I know how much he cares about his players, and I know that he knows how to win. I mean, we're talking about arguably a top three coach in the history of college football. In the history of college football. I put he's Saban on up Mount, there. He's on Mount Rushmore of college coaches. You ain't no kidding. Doubt. There's no doubt about it. So And listen, and here's uh, homage to Woody and Bear Bryant and Joe Paterno and all that. But it's just infinitely harder to win oh, a national yeah, championship yeah. in the BCS and playoff era than it was back in the day where you were just trying to stay undefeated and then maybe you won a national title in the Sugar Bowl because you were playing a... Sometimes you got a really good team, but sometimes you got a one-loss team so, or a two-loss team because that was the bull tie-in. And you didn't have to go prove it. You didn't have to win a conference championship game. You didn't have to win a semifinal game. You didn't have to win a national championship game, or in the BCS era, you were guaranteed to play another team that was we were pretty sure the second-best team if you were number one. So that's why yeah. I, I put more weight on the current titles than the right. previous titles. And just because you proclaim somebody's greatness doesn't take away the greatness of all those guys that you mentioned. No, absolutely not. Um, let's see. What else did I have for you today? Uh, we touched on the Joe Burrow thing. We touched on the Browns. Oh, Tyler, uh, or what's his name? Ryan Finley. Did you uh, have a thought on Ryan Finley's debut? Didn't see it, so Well, I he was, was about 50%, and he had a scoop and score fumble and an interception pick well, six for 90 is, yards. It's like we're surprised. And, you know, we'll just see that who the Bengals are going to take. And there was a big talk, topic I got on Twitter a little bit. Somebody asked me, who do I take, Tua or Joe Burrow, find the Bengals, and... You know, for me, I like Tua. That's just for me because that's my type. I, I want that guy. Uh, I'm not saying Joe Burrow wouldn't be great. I'm just saying for me and what I like and what I would run and the type of offense that I envision. So, and I don't know what Zach is looking for. Zach Taylor, of course. Yeah. Uh, or you look at Justin Herbert, the kid from Morgan, is no, no slouch. This will be a, a big debate. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua Tungvalu. Yeah. And let me just say, if Tua's injury, in his mind, caused him to lose to LSU and they don't get in the playoff, I do not rule out him returning to the playoff. No, Alabama get out of here. I do not rule it out. He's got his family with him there in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. He's got his brother Bye -bye. there in Tuscaloosa. And the Bengals would have the 
presumably top pick. If Ohio State goes out of the playoff, maybe I'll save this question for you. Okay. If Ohio State doesn't make the playoff, and you're Chase Young. Like, what? Like, okay. Well, I'm okay. just saying. So, okay. All right. Yeah. Atlanta beat New Orleans. Well, that's professionals. Yeah, that's not professionals. fair. They are as much a lock to make the playoff as anybody. More a lock than anybody. More a lock than Clemson. Because Clemson, even though they don't play anybody, they've already proven they can go to sleep and almost lose in North Carolina. Pull a Clemson? Pull don't a Clemson. say that around Dabo. Don't Dabbo. say that around Dabo. No, 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 no. All right. This comes to us from Maple Grove, Minnesota. You know where that is? No. Maple Grove, a suburb? Dan, from Dan. And Dan uh, hits on something we discussed earlier on this podcast, and he approached me on Twitter when I was tweeting my frustration with Jarvis Landry. Uh, He says, you know, that he interacted with me on Twitter about it. He does agree with me 100%. He says, however, I find it frustrating and would love Chris's view that announcers, media members, fans always reference something happening in the game, missing an extra point, blah, 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 and it's direct outcome at the end, needing a TD instead of a field goal. Let's assume the extra point is good. Maybe Buffalo goes for two instead of an extra point after their last TD to make it a field goal game. The game likely plays out differently one way or another. That was the whole point of my tweet. Nothing against what your true intention was. And he goes through other scenarios. He says, I love your show. As living in Minnesota, it's hard to find great Buckeye insights, but I also have been looking for some faith-based podcast, and your corner has related to me more than any others I have found. Uh, he says, P.S. Chris, my grandpa and your dad coached Little League together and helped arrange for my parents to meet you after one of your OSU football games. That made me a big fan of yours early on in my childhood that still resonates today. Nice, Dan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So his view that, hey, you know, the game will play out differently because the point wasn't scored Possibly. after the first, after uh, the first try. One of my rules in broadcasting, and, and I'm adamant about this, especially the teams that don't have the uh, – Luxury of missed opportunities. We can plays that could have been difference makers. I do the Arizona Cardinal Tampa Bay game. Uh, there were Kyler Murray overthrew a touchdown pass to a wide open guy that in that and Kyler's a great player and is playing out of his mind and is just going to be an unbelievable star in this league. He missed a pass. Then Max Williams, a tight end for the Cardinals, dropped a wide open touchdown pass right in his hands. Mm proclaiming that the sun was in his eyes mm. for some reason. Rocking his shoe, too. And so we mark that down as opportunities for the Cardinals. If they were to lose the game, yeah. here's the, the points that they gave away. And, and I only do game. that, and, and, and announcers do that, because coaches do that. Yeah. And so that's just part of the game and missed opportunities. So my response to Dan on Twitter was, I'm just not comfortable giving away a point when I'm two and six and winless at home, and the other team is six and two and and hasn't lost yet on the road. I just rather have the point. But uh, Dan asked that question in a very respectful way, and that's cool that he coached with your dad in little league. Very nice. I don't remember my dad coaching little league. It's been a while. Yeah. Been a while. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating sponsors the faith portion of the podcast that Dan enjoys and that we hope you enjoy. West Jeff Plumbing and Heating services all of Central Ohio, so call them if you have uh, a need. Turn your heater, you turn your furnace on. It's lousy snow that we have, and this icy cold weather, and it's not blasting heat. West Jeff Plumbers, Plumbing and Heating can figure that out for you. Maybe just as something as simple as a filter change. Uh, should have got the furnace check from West Jeff Plumbing and Heating, and now would be a good time to do that. Any kind of a plumbing need, pipes freeze in the wintertime, West Jeff Plumbing and Heating will take care of it. 614-879-9606. They will not keep you waiting all day long. They'll let you know their precise time of arrival and update you on that as the day goes by. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating on the web, westjeffplumbingandheating.com, 614-879-9606.
What do you have for us today, sir? You've been well, away it's, for a while. It's, well, I mean, I always have some, but you haven't been on uh, mic here for five days or so, and I figured you had something that it's uh, my, it's my you responsibility. To share. No, I can come up. Well, no, I, can, I don't mind. I don't mind leading this couple in the faith world. I mean, that's something I do, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can jump in, but I uh, always love hearing your well, insights because the biggest, they oftentimes dovetail with my own. Uh, and I don't know if we talked about this, but I, I think it is. Important to put into practice and yet so challenging at times, right? And it comes from Matthew eight twenty one and 22. And then Peter came to him and asked and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and how often shall I forgive him? Up to seven times, Peter asked. Jesus said to him, I don't, do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven, which means infinitely a number of times. And that's so hard for us, especially if you've been wronged by the same person more than once and I, I do think it's uh one of the biggest challenges uh that we all face and sometimes it, it, it takes time uh to be able to do that i would encourage those though that you know immediately and we've talked about this about holding each thought captive to jesus christ so when your initial reaction again is to lash out or if you're hurt by somebody deeply, it's so difficult to forgive. But then again, okay, so we're supposed to use Jesus as the example of our life, okay? So, you know, he he's he's the one forgive them for they do not know what they're doing, you know? And so we have to be able to put that into practice. If we do not put that into practice, uh, then we are making decisions based on our pride and ego and not based on what the Holy Spirit has put in us. Well, on, on a couple things on forgiveness, number one, uh, you do it for the other person, but I would say more so you're doing it for yourself so that it, the bitterness inside you does not That's eat you up. That's a great point. You know, you have to forgive so that you can move past it. And the other thing is don't confuse forgiveness and trust. You know, I would not want anyone out there to hear this who's in a, an abusive situation, let's say. Yeah. And you can forgive your abuser, but you should not trust your abuser to be in a situation again where your abuser could abuse you again or take advantage of you if it's a business partner or something like that. There's nothing unbiblical or unchristian. If you get t- if somebody steals from you in your business, you can forgive them. You should forgive them. But that doesn't mean that you should put your financial well-being in peril again by trusting them. There's nothing unbiblical about someone has fractured your trust. Yeah. You can forgive, and you should forgive, and you must forgive for their sake and for yours. But trust is not the same so, as yeah. forgiveness. You're, you're exactly right. And I'll share a story because I do think that people need to understand that listen to this, and especially this portion, that you and I have the same struggles that they have on a mm. daily basis. Somebody very, 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 very close to me did something that... Um, I thought was unforgivable. In fact, I held a grudge for a very long time. And what it did to me inside, it changed me as a person. There was always a bitterness and an anger there. And then I was saying things, my language would change. We, we talked about this a little bit before, but this happens. And you think you're being, well, I'm going to stand up for what's right, right? And... I finally forgave that person. Then I finally received back by me 
forgiving and swallowing my pride and, and swallowing the fact that, well, I'm just going to show him or her, whatever the case may be, that uh, I'm just going to show them how mad I am for what they did. And at some point, your anger starts dictating your behavior or your bitterness starts dictating your behavior. But once I did forgive, then there was that peace that transcends all understanding, which we read about in Philippians 4, that came over me and was able to reestablish and rebuild a relationship. David Pollack of ESPN tweeted something a while back, and it made a big impact on me because I thought it was profound and it was convicting for me. And he said, um, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And you were saying in your example that you gave that you wanted to show this person how much... How they, right I was. How, and how much they had let you down. Right. So if you're angry toward them, well, they're going to feel how much they've disappointed me. Right. What that does, and I've... Chris, I've done that <laughs> tons of times. No, not you. And every time I've done it... What I find on the back end is that what that's done is it's given the devil a foothold in my life. Yeah, It's given him something to grab onto, to enlarge, and then the foothold becomes a stronghold. And, yeah. the, and then he has control of me. Right. Whereas if I can um, access the Holy Spirit and the grace, uh, if I recognize how much I've been forgiven— for the many, many, many sins, impure thoughts, bad language. Exactly. We don't, enough, we don't have enough time in the podcast for me to articulate it all. Uh, if I recognize how much I have been forgiven, then I'm like, well, who am I to harbor this against that person? Because I'm no better than they are uh, in the sight of God. The only reason I uh, have right standing with God is because of what Jesus did, not because of anything I did. So there's a there's a saying in the Catholic Church that you know, in in my in my thoughts, what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I confess to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have sinned. And uh, you know, the other issue, and I talk about pride, is that a person like me or a person like you, who's just like everybody out there listening, we think we are worthy of forgiveness when we go to God, because we know that God's going to forgive us. But it's so difficult at times for us, for me, I'll speak for me, I'm not going to speak for you, to actually uh, practice what we preach. Well, if I'm worthy of forgiveness and God forgives me, then why can't I forgive that person? And sometimes it takes a lot of time. I would just say don't let it take too much time, mm -hmm. because as you said, you were much more uh, on point about how, that gives the devil an uh, inside track on you, or mm -hmm. got something he can hold over your head, yep. and you don't even know it. That's the that's deception is his number one tool, right? Yes, sir. Deception is the number one tool, and he'll use that against you. So you have to cleanse yourself of that. And uh, I just I just seventy times seven, and in, in biblical terms, from my understanding and, and what I've been told and read, is that that's an infinite number of times. Absolutely. And then the other thing I would say is, and I just had. This uh, come across my um, my life this week. I was reading about the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, and you know, we if you're a Christian, you know the Lord's Prayer, and the Lord's Prayer ends up, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Jesus didn't actually at the end of the Lord's Prayer that we quote. He didn't actually say what we quote at the end of the Lord's Prayer. What he said was, 
if you forgive others, your heavenly father will forgive you. And if you don't forgive others, he won't forgive you. And that's a really, <laughs> Ooh, that's an eye opener, man. Yeah. That's an eye opener. But, so uh, yeah, but it's you. You make a, a great point, and you have to have forgiveness in your heart. And only you will know if you truly forgive that person. That doesn't mean, like you said. I mean, I've known people in abusive relationships. I mean, you don't go back to no. an abusive relationship, no. but you you find ways uh, to forgive that person and then move on. And it's uh, it's probably the most difficult thing to do, yet mm. the most cleansing thing to do, yeah. which makes yeah. it worth it. I encourage everybody, if you have somebody that's hurt you uh, deeply or that you've been disappointed, uh, to pray for the strength to forgive. And let me correct myself. The part of the Lord's Prayer that we quote that he did not say is, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. The end of the Lord's Prayer is what we quote that he did not say. If you go to Matthew and the chapter where he is asked by the disciples, how should we pray? He'll say at the end of it, you know, it says, hey, if you don't forgive, then your Heavenly Father's not going to forgive you. So uh, those are our thoughts here on a Wednesday, the Spielman and Hooley podcast. We appreciate you listening to the podcast very, very much. We hope you have a great day. We will um, watch with interest as the uh, Cleveland Browns take on the Pittsburgh Steelers on I will. Thursday Night Football. I don't know what we're going to get. but uh, That's the beauty of the Browns. Say. You don't know what show is going to show up. No, we certainly do not know uh, <laughs> what show is going to show up. <laughs> That is absolutely 100% true. I don't know why our post-podcast uh, music is not playing. Everything should be playing, but it's not. But we will uh, leave you with uh, our wishes for you to have a great day, and we'll talk to you again very, very soon.